Hey everybody, this is Adam. And this is Atkins. And we're bringing you another episode of the Almighty Podcast, brought to you by Back Patio Network. And before we get started, uh, real quick, this episode is hitting your audio feed on the 26th of Monday. The next episode of Rocks and Rune Lords, which is another audio drama, is what I'm going to call it, uh, from Back Patio Network, will be available on the 28th. And then we have a live Twitch stream every Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. That is named Age of Heroes. It's a blast. If you haven't checked it out, come hang out with everybody and have a good time. I still haven't caught any of the uh, Twitch stream stuff, but I, I really want to. They're fun. Oh, we have a lot of fun. Uh, Casey and I have been playing Monster Hunter, and uh, we're going to start doing a Mass Effect stream that will be a little bit more scheduled. We're hoping two to three nights a week. And then obviously every Sunday night we've got uh, Age of Heroes, which is an old D&D um, adventure path, I think, uh, that Matt is running from uh, BPN. So. All folks you've probably heard of at some point in time, uh, but they're all fun. We, we love our shows. So check out BackPatioNetwork.com if you want to see any of the other, uh, any, anything else going on on the patio. We got all kinds of crazy stuff happening. That's right. And in addition to being able to watch them on uh, Twitch, you can talk with them in the Discord channels. Um, and not just the Almighty Podcast, although we are a channel on Back Patio Network's Discord there are several, and they're always lit up white with conversations, uh, with with new notifications for people talking back and forth literally all day. Super fun to be a part of that community. And just uh, most of the channels I don't really participate in, um, but I do still kind of scroll up and down and lurk on conversations in some of those other spaces uh, and participate uh, quite a lot, of course, in the AMPs uh, and in general discussion, which is just, you know, there for anybody that's in the Discord to just say whatever they want. And it's uh, a lot of a lot of really neat very interesting, very social people on that platform and space, and you could be one of them very easily. Yeah, definitely. All of the links are going to be in the episode details below, or I say below, like you're seeing what I see, but I'm hoping you're looking at your phone or something and looking at the episode details. All that stuff will be there, including a link to leave us an iTunes review if you're interested. That's right. We are, we're growing in iTunes reviews. We're growing in Twitter followers slowly but surely. Um, and we hope that that trend continues because we are trying our best to bring you serviceable My Hero Academia content. If we are adequate, that's good enough for me. Um, but we, <laughs> you know, for me, my own personal philosophy is if you set the bar really low, then you're very rarely disappointed. So I just personally, in all the things that I set my own uh, uh, tasks or, or my own hands to, my bar is I don't want to suck. And so, so as, as long as I'm not doing that, I feel good about myself and, and whatever it is that I'm producing, including what, the Almighty Podcast. What's that old saying? Something like, uh, under promise, over deliver, and everyone will be happy? Yeah. You, what you don't want to do is be the person who over promises and under delivers because those people are the worst. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> well, I would say speaking of the worst, but this is not the worst not episode yet. that we're going to cover. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about episode 103. Uh, so this is named One Thing at a Time. What is this, like, episode 14 or 15 in season five, I guess? Yeah, I always forget to look. I, I really only look at the episode numbers, like, overall, because that's, it's Same strange here. that, like, you know, that's how anime tends to number their stuff. Western shows, I don't think, do that so much. No, it's always, like, so S1 colon E1 or whatever the case is. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but that's okay. We, we adapt to these sort of things. Uh, this episode is actually a really good one, I thought. I enjoyed this one quite a bit. Uh, we're kind of right back into the action of where we left off. We, we are following Hawks, who has 
been playing like quadruple agent at this point. I mean, we know that he's a hero. We know he is one of the top five heroes and he is undercover working with Dobby in the League of Villains. And he's also undercover investigating the Meta Liberation Army and reporting everything back into the council. So this guy's got a lot going on. I don't know how he keeps up with all of it. He's very, Um, very busy. He is. Uh, and for him to be such a, a young guy, too, I mean, they. I feel like that often, often gets lost. Like, when I see Hawks, I don't immediately think, oh, hey, look, there's your average 22-year-old hero. The man is able to multitask like a champion, though, that is for sure. And he has a very quick mind about how best to go about doing just that. Uh, and we see that at the very beginning of this episode. Uh, so we, we kind of open with him flying back to the MLF HQ or the MLA HQ, depending on whether you want to call them the Meta Liberation Front or Army. Are those two terms interchangeable? I feel like I've heard both. I Um, think they have to be. Anyway, um, he goes back to MLF or AHQ with all of his. They they zoom in to try to remind you that he's bugged, literally, with these little cameras slash recording devices. Uh, We saw, I think, debut in maybe one of the last pair of episodes where one of the MLF head honchos is able to tell Hawks what he had just gone and done um, when it came to being nervous about purchasing, almost purchasing the wrong kind of coffee. And he stands before a darkened conference table and is asked for a status report. Um, He's been monitored again, and they they know that he's been spreading liberation ideology, handing out these books um, to multiple heroes they they mentioned, not just to Endeavor. They made it sound like that he had handed these little books out uh, to several other heroes. And one of the gentlemen sitting around this table says, about that book that you've been handing heroes, you not only read it, but you really get the destroness. You get it. Um, yeah, yeah. T- twice interjects, and he says, I still don't get it, so maybe you could teach me sometime. And Hawks is like, yeah, it's not a big problem. I was actually kind of shocked to see twice there. Like in my mind, for some reason, I didn't necessarily think the League of Villains were a part of the Meta Liberation Army. I assumed that they might be two opposing groups, but it sounds like they're actually working together hand in hand because not only is twice there, but Dobby's there, um, Spinner's there, and and the girl, what's her name? Oh, I forgot Toga. her name. Toga. Thank you. She's also there. Uh, so they appear to be working hand in hand. However, Shigaraki wasn't around. I thought that was kind of interesting. So I don't know if maybe he's not playing both sides or not, um, but you're right. I mean, they talk about how he is really getting the destroness. Like he gets it. He understands what they are about and they love it. They think that with him being as popular as he is, that they're going to be able to spread their ideology through him very quickly. And, and they even make a mention of like, you know, we really hope that you can hit the teens and early 20 kind of folks, because those are the people we want raising with this ideology. So that way when they're of age, they can just start working for us and, and keep perpetuating this idea of what we want. Um, so, man, it's it's pretty crazy that they're they're definitely using this guy. And I don't know if we can tell whether or not they're onto him, because I think there's a moment when they mention this book that he's kind of like, ah, oh, man, they see literally everything. Like, did they maybe see or know that I'm giving information through this book? Because we know that he's got hidden secrets in there, too. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really interesting small things in this very short conversation. Um, one of them being what you had mentioned that they're very keen upon, uh, about the demographic that Hawks apparently appeals to the most. Uh, they say teens and twenty somethings, 
um, probably because they're the dumbest. Um, <laughs> they're the, uh, sorry, guys. Um, but, you know, he's he, they apparently called in the, the Barna group and, and figured out what, where it is that Hawks' popularity is the highest. And uh, we recognize, like you said, several members of the League of Villains. And uh, they, they make this comment, or Hawks does rather, that the commission still thinks that the League, the League of Villains, consists of just a few members in hiding. Uh, and that they're none the wiser about the Liberation Army. So he's he's kind of saying that they're they are separate entities, but that they're working together, and that the commission seems to be aware of a fraction of the League of Villains' size or power, uh, and has almost no idea, or at least that's what he's trying to sell them on. Because of course he's trying to get Endeavor caught up on all this at the same time. Absolutely, and we do have some of that in this episode at the beginning, where we go back and forth between Endeavor and Hawks. However, we're going to try and consolidate all of that for everybody. Um, so he basically seems to be pretty much good with the MLA. Like they don't seem to really have any suspicions, or at least at the moment they don't. So he leaves this conference room, and when he does, he like leaves a feather behind, and it's stuck between the doors. And he explains that through his feather, he can hear the sound waves and interpret what everyone's saying. So he's still trying to spy on them. It's really neat. The problem that he runs into, though, is that because his wings are closed as he walks away, the further away he gets, I guess he's not able to interpret those sound waves as well. But what he does pick up on is the the MLA says something to Spinner, like whether or not this is going to be okay. And I don't know that we really know what he's talking about. He just asks Spinner, like, hey, is, that, is this all right with you? And Spinner's like, oh, yeah, this is going to keep morale up. It's going to be good. And then Toga mentions that in four months, they're going to destroy everything using Tomura Shigaraki. So even though Shigaraki's not there at this particular meeting, it sounds like they do have him in their plans for whatever's happening in four months. Yeah. And there's a cool scene, too, that I, I forgot to mention where I guess they are all they all have access to the AV feed from Hawks um, because they're kind of sitting in front of iPads and scrolling through things. And Toga gets excited because she sees Deku. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and Dobby says something cheeky. He says, you know, that it doesn't look like that they've grown up much. And Hawk says, well, they are just students. And he totally is short selling them intentionally, uh, to allow Dobby to continue underestimate, uh, to, to continue to underestimate those kids, which I thought was really, really sharp. And the feather in the door also really sharp. Hawks is, um, he's, his, his espionage skills pretty, pretty high. I feel, uh, that I have a lot of confidence in his ability to kind of have a foot in both world. Uh, both worlds right now, but surely that is going to disintegrate at some point. Um, he, he is, th- there's got to be a head where he has to make, uh, you know, a, a very obvious decision for which side he's actually loyal to, or he's going to be found out and it's going to dissolve or disintegrate in the process. Well, what's really interesting is he, he kind of has this advantage because he's apparently not the only hero working for right. MLA. I mean, as he's walking away, he mentions like, what do I do? Should I go ahead and try to get everyone I can to surround this place? No, I shouldn't do that. Like I, I need to know which heroes are involved in this because if we were to take everything down right now, these heroes would just end up bringing it back up. And there are so many people involved in this that, and he has no idea who most of them are. So he's like, I need, I need to know numbers. I need to know locations. I need to know everyone that's involved or we won't be able to stomp this out. It'll be a wildfire that just continues to spread. Um, and unfortunately, like I said, the further he gets away from this this like council meeting, the less and less he can hear. Um, and we we do get this kind of interesting scene where he like 
I guess is being escorted for the most part, and then he is left alone in front of this other door, and there's this guy standing there in this huge outfit. Like, this person standing in front of this door is massive. And there's something about that person that reminds me of uh, Yaoroshi. Like, he's kind of dressed like he's from Shiketsu High. I don't know if you if you recognize that or not, but his outfit looked really familiar. I just, uh, I said that he gets turned away from a door by Lurch from the Adams family. Yeah, yeah, he, that's a really good way of putting it. He was very polite about it. He was just he like, was. no, can't come in here. I mean, he wasn't like aggressive, but he's a very physically imposing looking person as well. But they like draw a hat over this person's face. So I feel like this person's got to come back up. It's That's got to be a big reveal. Otherwise, they would have just given him a plain, boring, like every other face look, you know? Yeah, but he, Hawks is feeling pretty confident of the seed that he's planted uh, with Endeavor and Endeavor, we, we kind of catch back up with him after this little MLA slash FHQ uh, scene with, with Hawks. We catch back up with Endeavor, who's at his desk at the agency, where apparently he hosts smokers, as we talked about last time. And <laughs> That's right. he is uh, still kind of mulling over and trying to fully decipher this code that Hawks has left him uh, in the in Destro's book. And he deduces a little bit more than we were uh, given uh, last pair of episodes or probably in the in the, the last episode that we covered uh, where he learns not only that uh, you know that their strength of numbers and the four month timeline and all that kind of stuff but he also finds um, a couple of extra little tidbits of information one of them uh, is that before this destruction uh, actually takes place that Hawks will send some sort of signal and that in the case of failure more manpower. Um, is what Hawks is trying to get Endeavor to understand, which is, aka, we we need these students to be ready to go right now. And so Endeavor, kind of, we're kind of treated to a little bit of a flashback of his, where he's standing before uh, the the commission, the public safety commission, who's trying to explain to him the benefits of this new work study. And Endeavor pieces together that the commission and Hawks are working together on this, and that the new work study program is actually to prepare the students uh, for what. Hawks believes is to come. Yeah, he's pretty much going to use them as a failsafe. If all else fails, if all of the heroes are not able to tackle whatever is about to happen, we're going to have to rely on these students. And we get this quick scene of Hawks being really happy about Dobby underestimating them for that exact reason. You know, he's like, good, underestimate them because when they come at you, I don't want you to know what to expect. So we get treated to a nice little scene here where I think her name is Burnin. Yes. Uh, she's talking to the students and she's just like, well, Endeavor really only wants to work with Shoto, so I guess the rest of y'all are stuck with me. And Bakugo throws a little fit. He's like, come on, I was, I'm here to observe the number one hero, not his sidekick. And around this time, Endeavor like kicks the doors open to his office and he's like, all right, so here's the deal. Y'all are coming with me. I'm going to train all three of you. This is really important. <laughs> and we get this quick moment of him being like, where are you at? Like in your adventure of becoming a hero, how do you handle your quirks and what do you want to get out of this? Like I need to know what we need to work on basically. Uh, and we get a quick little rundown from Deku. And when I say quick, I mean, he just sits there and mumbles like forever. It seems like, but Endeavor totally gets him, And, and we get this scene where Deku basically says he wants to be able to control his quirk 100% of the time and perform at his fullest all of the time. And, and he goes into this mumbling, and it's great because Bakugo gets annoyed, and um, he, he shows off that new quirk that he has and how he's barely able to summon it. And it says that if he lets any more of this whip out, then it's going to go out of control, basically. And 
He goes into another mumble fit, explaining how he's juggling, like handling his quirk in general, because it's not just, oh, I power up and I power down. It's like every single move Deku makes, he has to adjust his power levels to basically be able to ensure he doesn't blow his fingers off or break his arms or whatever. And it's funny because Burnin is like, what is he talking about? But Endeavor gets it. Uh, he, and he says like, okay, you, just, you, you need to increase pretty much everything. Like You need to learn how to control your quirk. Uh, and he, he throws out this weird comment where he says, you've had problems with your quirk, haven't you? I can see you're one of us. And, I, and even Deku has no idea what he's talking about. So I'm not sure. Did you pick up on that one? Yeah, I had question marks in my notes. My best thought was that like, we know that Endeavor, when he uses his quirk to its fullest potential, that he can overheat. Um, and I wonder if that's what he means. It's like, well, you, if you use yours at your fullest potential, that there is a, there is a ceiling that you can hit really quickly. Hmm. Um, okay. that was my best guess is that there is, there is a risk to him physically if he uses his quirk at its highest power for very long, if at all for Deku. But, you know, Endeavor, I think can turn his on to, to high gear. And we've seen this a time or two. But he also has his sidekick standing by with fire extinguishers to cool him down quickly before it hurts him. And that was part of the reason why he was so invested in Todoroki being his heir, because Todoroki could turn his fire all the way up and manage his own temperature with the eye side of him. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was my best guess at what Endeavor was trying to get at there. I, I did really like the way that this was animated, too, because as Deku goes on this long rant, uh, that there is a literal wall of text and yeah. to the, I don't read <laughs> Japanese, but he uses a couple numbers in some places and they were in that scrolling, like star Wars type uh, text that's going up the wall behind him. So I think it was the literal transcript of what he was saying was scrolling up the screen, which I thought was really cool. We need to get Deku signed on to a record company so he can have his own mumble rap album. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That would be fun. Yeah. Deku's mumble rap. He could do it. I mean, he could. I, so far nobody has enjoyed listening to it. So <laughs> I don't I don't know that he's an audience that he has an audience for it quite yet. Uh the the only other thing I could think of when it comes to that line is maybe he he keeps talking about there being the exception, which is basically All Might who had like limitless power. And obviously, Endeavor doesn't know that Deku is his successor. So, I mean, maybe he's he's exactly what you're saying, where it's like, okay, we have this limit we hit. We're going to get injured afterwards, whereas All Might didn't seem to have any limit at all until he was damaged. So maybe that's kind of where he was going. I think from, you're kind of angle. confusing two different moments in this episode, though. So like here, when Endeavor talks about All Might, he's talking about the fact that uh, Deku's power is comparable to All Might's as sure, far as like power yeah. output. And then when he's talking to the students about what they have to acquire as far as like experience with their quirks, that's when he starts talking about All Might as there there was this exception, this person who just was gifted immediately kind of didn't have to accrue or aggregate experience in order to be super effective with what he had. So I think that those are two separate things that you're you're kind that's of twisted up a little. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, so after Deku, we go into Bakugo and, you know, he's pretty cheeky, but he's also very honest. He says, like, look, I don't know what I can't do. So far, my quirk has done everything I've wanted it to. So I'm here to figure out what I can't do, which I actually really liked because I've kind of taken this approach in my personal career where, like, there have been times I've applied for positions and had no idea whether or not I was even close to being qualified because I wanted to hear what questions they asked so I could figure out what I didn't know and go study that. I mean, and that's kind of what he's done here. He's 
He's going to go be with the number one hero to figure out what he cannot do with his quirk and then figure out how to do it and go from there and become the number one hero. And I thought that was really neat. So I want to talk about two things here real quick. So there's a slight difference in the anime and the manga. Uh, By the way, I think I forgot to mention this at the top of the episode, but this covers uh, material from chapters 245, 246, but with an asterisk that I'll return to in a second, and then 247 and 248. But if you're reading chapter 246 and you're anime only, you have to skip like the first six or eight pages. So thank you to Omega in our Discord for telling me to just kind of swipe really quickly until I see uh, Endeavor reading the MLA book, because apparently there's some spoiler stuff at the beginning of that chapter. Um, But here in the anime, I wrote this down as the direct quote of Bakugo to Endeavor, because I think that this is almost, this is Bakugo kind of talking at Deku while he's also talking at, not to either one of these people, but at the number one hero, because he says, if, if I only have one quirk, I want to be the strongest. So that jab at Deku is the, if I only have one quirk, you know, because he knows that Deku has multiple quirks, but he's also saying, I don't care that I only have one and you've got a bunch. I'm still going to be better than you. And he's also looking in the eyes of the current number one ranked hero and saying, by the way, I'm going to be better than you too, fool. I'm going to be number one. Um, So I really liked it. I mean, it's totally in character for Bakugo to flex like that verbally. Um, And uh, it's, it's really well delivered and designed Um, his, his explanation. He's saying, I learned that being strong isn't enough to make me truly strong. And he's flashing back to the first bout between him and Midoriya. So he says, I came to find out what I still need in order to surpass the number one hero. And again, he's looking that person in the eyes when he says this. Very cool. Yeah. Very epic. Very epic. Very like strong willed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so Endeavor just is just like, all right, that's good enough for me. And he turns to go and poor Todoroki is just like, uh, so what about me? And Endeavor immediately turns around. And he's like, well, you're just here to learn flash fire, aren't you? Like, uh, that's, that's what you're here for. I get it. Uh, but Shoto takes the time to really do his, give his part, uh, you know, what he's there for. And it's kind of biting. He says, I've put into practice the training that you drilled into me uh, as a kid on my right side. And looking back, my head was filled with this pointless, and I have in my notes, but not unreasonable, um, hatred towards you. And after entering UA and competing with these guys, my eyes were opened. And there's this weird thing in the anime that I don't think it's in the manga where it looks like he forms an ice crystal ball and then a fire crystal crystal ball in the middle of this conversation. Do you remember seeing that? Yeah, kind of like he was like almost like showing off his quirk, but even though he didn't really need to. Yeah. And and it's weird because I don't know that he was actually doing it or if it was was just a frame for the flashbacks. Um, It was strange because in the in the manga, he kind of holds his hand out, but there's nothing that manifests in it. No orbs. Anyway, um, he says, in the end, I'm doing exactly what you wanted, but remember that the one that I admire is the one that mom and I watched on the TV. I came here as a fledgling hero to become a hero of my own will. I came here to use you. I'm sorry I'm only here because it's convenient, number one, he calls them, but don't put on the parent act in front of my friends. And my favorite part about Shoto's delivery is not only its honesty, which I think is very brave of him, but there's a shot of Endeavor's eyes at the end of this that is so well done in the anime where normally Endeavor's eyes are very like Dragon Ball Z-esque. They look like angry triangles kind of um, because it seems like he's always glowering. You know what I mean? 
Um, mm-hmm. But in this particular one, they're they're just like flat rectangles. Like he's definitely relaxed, um, and it does the anime uh, like eye wiggle. You know, like he's that's one of the ways that anime sometimes show emotion in a character is their eyes just kind of vibrate around a little bit. They're like their corneas and their irises. Kind of like he's tearing up almost. Yeah. And then he he blinks and and his eyes are go back to rigid. Uh, and he's just like, all right, let's do this thing. So there was yeah. this moment and he and he realizes, too, I think there was this extremely awkward and prolonged silence, <laughs> like at the end of Shoto's little uh, dialogue. Where Endeavor is thinking, well, I thought he was opening up to me a little, but it looks like I was foolishly mistaken. And then he breaks the silence with, all right, all three of you are going to be working with me now. Yeah, it's it's really cool because he basically says, like, I respect Endeavor the hero. Like, you do what you need to do. You're number one. I need to learn from you to become a good hero as well. But you're a shit dad. I yeah. mean, <laughs> it was it was real straightforward. Um, so we, we transition away from that to them kind of walking out into the streets. They're going out on a patrol and he's explaining that most agencies kind of focus on one of two or three different things. Like you kind of have agencies that do the rescuing and you have agencies that doing the fighting. However, his agency does both. They do it all. And like he, he's explaining that he knows every single thing that's happening in his district at pretty much at all times. Like there's nothing that goes unnoticed by him and he will always be there to rescue civilians or keep back civilians while he is fighting uh, off a villain. So it's it's really cool just to see how in-depth his agency is in comparison to some of the other ones we've seen. Yeah, he. it's weird because in both the anime and the manga, I think they do this thing where he says there's three things that hero agencies do, rescue or evacuation or fighting. These are the three basic categories. And in the manga, he says, well, we tackle all three. Um, But it also says that normally when a hero sets up an agency, he decides whether to emphasize rescue or battle, one or the other, which leaves evacuation out. But then he says that they do all three. It's strange. Um, But yeah, he's in trying to he's basically laying out his hero agency's philosophy to these boys. And he says, you know, at UA, what you accumulated was hard work here. You're going to accumulate experience and you guys need to build up a mountain of that. So there are the things that all three of you need to work on can be conquered by this experience. So he, he kind of lays this gauntlet of a challenge down before all three of them. He says this winter, I want you to show me that you can capture a villain faster than me just once. And then he just takes off. Like he, he has this little earbud in his ear that we hear a small like beep almost like he's being warned of something and he just takes off and we get this quick montage i guess of deku feeling bad again like where he's basically like oh man everyone else is so far ahead of the game than me like they all started with their how does he say there's a weird analogy where he's like their hands and feet are moving. I'm still trying yeah. to figure out how to move mine. Like, Deku's I, analogy, some <laughs> game is weak. It's sometimes weak. it's, it's real great. strange. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, he's getting at the fact that he feels like he's at a disadvantage. He just got this quirk like roughly uh, six, seven months ago, and he is still trying to get it to work the way he needs it to, to really be able to be where he's at. I mean, he, he says it really well. He feels like he's been dragged by his nose from one event to the next, and that's kind of how it has been for him. I mean, that's not far from the truth at all. Well, and it gets, it's even more complicated for him because what he said would be true if all he had was the one quirk that he thought that he had. Yeah. But he just found out that he has another one and also that there's half a dozen more coming. And so for every one of these quirks that manifest, 
he's going back to square one with those while he's Mm -hmm. also trying to make progress with his primary one. And there's a lot of learning curve for him. And he's coming to all of them later and later and later in this game. Uh, And so he is, he's really feeling the pressure for that. And, you know, in that little talk with Endeavor, he was like, yeah, I've got this super strength thing, but I also can do this little black vapory thing that I want to weaponize. But I also can do this Air Force thing. And he's had very different places as far as like competency and mastery goes where all of these things and none of them are like, you know, beyond what's his the highest percent that he even mentions is 20. 20. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he's feeling way behind the ball on all of this stuff. And reasonably so. I, I can understand that he has got a tremendous amount of pressure. He's feeling that for sure. And he doesn't even... He's not even fully aware of the stakes of what's going on yet, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like he does not realize what amount of like importance is about to be placed on his shoulders, just being one of these upcoming heroes. And what's crazy to me is that like this episode is almost a tone shift in the way he talks about his his quirk, because up until this point, he's only ever really talked about his quirk as a single thing. But now he's breaking it down into like, I'm very powerful. I have this air quirk and now I have this this black whip quirk. So the air thing is always kind of included. But now it almost seems like he's talking about it as if he has three separate quirks now. And I mean, I, I realize that three very different things that he's been doing. Uh, but I feel like this is the first time we've heard him kind of talk about them separately that way. Yeah, he's still... When he's when he's talking with Endeavor, he's being very careful. And I think this is one of the things that was kind of annoying Bakugo is he's being very careful not to say, I right. have multiple quirks. He's he's saying he, he uses the word manifests differently or something like, you know, some sort of phrase where he's he's kind of beating around the bush. He's like, oh, but now it's manifesting in this weird way that I don't understand yet. And we know that even the students in class 1A, some of them were picking up on it, too. Like, how in the world is that black vapor thing related to super strength? So there's already some questions being raised around all this uh and again we i'm not even convinced that anybody has told endeavor about that because deku has to tell endeavor about this and he doesn't even get he just says ah you know it goes out of control does endeavor know what out of control means because we saw what out of control means and i think we talked about this in the last episode it feels like it should have been the responsibility and the obligation even a moral obligation on behalf of ua somebody there to be like, yo, Endeavor, yeah. you should know. Like, like <laughs> when 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 he says that this thing gets out of control, it destroyed, you know, the practice field gamma or whichever one they were running. Like, you know around what it is? Yet. Is it's like it's got to be on someone else's insurance. That's why they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If oh man, I mean, just if I were Endeavor and I didn't know about that and something happened and I found out that they knew this could happen and they didn't tell me, I would be pissed. And also, if I weren't Endeavor, I wouldn't want to piss off Endeavor. So I feel like the answer is yeah, to just no, tell I mean, the man. <laughs> and then you will avoid Endeavor's all the trouble. Endeavor's going to be having trouble. some fried nezu soon for lunch, you know? Uh, but That's anyways, right. so back into the patrol, uh, they are going off. I mean, it's like Endeavor just flies off. And, and of course, the students are catching up to him. But... He has to make this quick turn, and he does this like 90-degree angle turn. He does not stop accelerating. He just keeps going full blast, and all of the kids kind of pick up on it. And when they land, um, of course, the students are, what, two, three seconds behind? And Shoto starts asking Bakugo, like, hey, did you notice that like when he, when he had to make that split decision, he kind of like used a burst, sort of like what you do. And, and Bakugo is like, there's nothing you could realize that I couldn't anyways. <laughs> Which, I mean, Bakugo is just so, he's so intense. 
Um, and, and it basically tells him like, look, he's copying what I do. Like, that's just the same thing. And, and Shoto's like, yeah. oh, okay. So I guess you have seen it. And he's like, I guess I had to take the long way to figure that out. I never really considered it. Um, which is, is interesting. I mean, already within the first five minutes of being with Endeavor, at least one of the students is picking up on brand new things. I mean, that's incredible that they're going to learn so much in the next few, you know, what weeks, months. Yeah, I I liked it too that Todoroki immediately is like, I'm going to give this a shot because he's been using his ice to travel around quickly, but now he begins his ice sliding and then he turns um, his his fire hand backwards and propels himself. And he, I I guess, because he's not used to that particular uh, move uh, for for traveling, that it kind of sends him into a little bit of a spin. Uh, And what's funny is in my notes, I just have Todoroki tries using ice and flames for propulsion and his tiny metal penises (laughs) flap in the wind. (laughs) (laughs) Then you have Deku. I think this is when maybe they're they're traveling uh, still and Deku's talking, of course, because he's Deku and he's asking Endeavor if he's going to work with his sidekicks. And Endeavor's like, you know, when I was in Kyushu, Hawks and I kind of split up this work. But normally heroes need to be able to do everything by themselves. And when he said that, I was like, I don't know that Deku needs to hear that. Because one of the things that we've talked about on this show uh, that I've mentioned is gets talked about a good bit on the Go Beyond pod is this idea that it seems to be moving in a direction where hopefully the hero world that these students are going to create is going to be not so reliant upon the individual hero, um, but upon these cooperative teams of heroes. Um, and so I feel like that comment probably is not going to serve Deku very well at some point. Um, he already has a tendency to try to rush in and handle things on his own, and this could possibly crank it up to 11. So I'm curious to see how how those philosophies compete within him. I'm interested too, because I kind of feel like there's some part of Deku that may just have like let that gloss over him, and he wouldn't have even paid attention to it, because He's been in so many situations where he's had to work with other people. I mean, if he had taken on the uh, uh, Shia Hasaikai by himself and he didn't have Eerie there helping him, Deku would be dead. You know, I mean, he's he's consistently been in these situations where he has had to rely on his teammates and his his fellow, um, I was going to say crewmates. They're not crewmates. They're fellow students, you know, his, his peers. And it feels like a generational difference almost. Like Endeavor's generation was very big on, I am the hero. There's no one besides me. Like. When you look at Endeavor's agency, you don't think about burning. You just think about Endeavor. You know what I mean? I'm I'm with you. Right. I think we're going to get away from that. I think this generation of heroes are going to have to rely on each other because otherwise, the Meta Liberation Army, the League of Villains, all of these bad guys, uh, for lack of better terms, I guess antagonists, they're just going to run over these these kids. Yeah, and there's a there's a line that. Endeavor speaks kind of at the end of this conversation that we're into now where he's just like, whatever, you can fail because there's nothing that you could do that could possibly interfere with my ability to to do my work, yeah. which is him kind of being, you know, big, macho, alpha male, I can solo this entire city, you know, single-handedly. And that's probably why he was a little frustrated when the commission came to him and said, hey, we're giving you these students um, or, or we're going to ask that you receive students and, um, you know, him just being like, I think he said something in his internal dialogue, right? When he left his office, that was something around or along the lines of, well, I don't like this idea, but I'm, I'm going to do it because it's, you know, whatever I need to. Um, so I think that, yeah, there's, there's some competing philosophies that are represented just by the presence of these kids next to this particular hero. And, Endeavor starts getting into it with Bakugo as well. 
Bakugo again drops the same excuse I think he did in the last episode that he was a little sluggish because it's cold and it takes him longer to warm up. And Endeavor's like, are you just going to continue to make that same excuse? Because this isn't class. Like, if you don't make it in time, you're not going to lose points. You're going to lose somebody's life. Like, somebody's life is going to be lost because you're slow. And he's, like, saying this as he's saving a woman from being hit by a truck where Bakugo was about two seconds behind. And he absolutely yeah. would have let that woman die by accident just because he wasn't warmed up. And I think this really hits Bakugo. Like, this is the first time he's seeing, like, okay, I, I can't be slow. And this is where Endeavor starts passing out homework as well to the boys. <laughs> yeah. He's like, all right, so here's what you got to do. Like, you need to learn how to store up power and be able to release it all at once in one go and then be able to get right back into it. And Deku kind of chimes in and is like, oh, isn't that like your... What does he call it? Uh, AP, AP shot. shot. And Baki goes like, I know, shut up, go away. Who are you? Why are you here? I mean, <laughs> he just he goes all over Deku on that one. And then he, he explains to Todoroki or Shoto that he has got to be able to control his fire in the same manner that he controls his ice. And he tells him like, you know, when you use your ice, you create these massive like sculptures almost. You need to learn how to do that with your fire too. Don't just release it, manifest it and control it. Uh, so he gives them both a little bit of homework, and then after this, we transition to a scene where they're all up on top of a, a building eating some lunch. It was very reminiscent of that uh, few vigilantes chapters we had with uh, Aizawa and uh, Cloud, I'm going to say Cloud Gobu, oh, yeah. this is not his name. No, Loud Cloud. Loud Cloud, that's what it is. Uh, Loud Cloud, Aizawa, and uh, Present Mike, where they're like all eating lunch. They're up there talking, and and he starts to kind of talk about Deku's quirk, and he tells him like... You just need to completely forget about the secondary quirk for now. You've got to focus on your primary quirk first. Like once you get that down, then you can start thinking about something else. And he he kind of equates all of this to driving a car. Like you have to learn each piece. You have to learn how to steer it. You have to learn how to hit the brakes. You have to learn how to hit the gas. You have to learn to look in your rearview mirror and your your other mirrors. And he goes, but you don't just start off trying to do all that at once. And that's what you're trying to do. You've got to focus on one thing at a time. Get to a place where you can do your full cowling without thinking about it. And then get to a place where you can do your air movements without thinking about it. And then start thinking about another part of your quirk. For now, focus on one thing at a time. And uh, he tells them, this is when he, he, he gives them that line of what you said, like, your success or failure while you're with me will have no effect on my work. It does not matter to me. You guys are here to figure it out and learn on your own, and I'll guide you, but whether or not you leave my agency successful has no side effect to me. I like, too, that he explains that, you know, you need to take what you learned at school and get your body used to it here in the best environment possible, which is an uncontrolled environment. I mean, he's trying to get these kids to understand that doing this stuff in a controlled environment in, you know, at UA is not even remotely close to the same as having to develop your skills and hone them in an environment that is uncontrolled, that is that is reactive, that is dynamic, that uh, that where there are lives on the line, not just yours, but other people's and bystanders included, not just the people that are being targeted, you know, specifically by these villains. There's a lot that you have to manage all at once, and that's what he's trying to impress upon them with this this line about parallel processing, there's a lot to manage and you guys have got to get good at it. And right now. Yeah. And I think he's, he's trying to tell them this without also being like, Oh yeah, by the way, in four months, if we all die, y'all have got to pick up the, the cards, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, 
we uh, we skipped over a scene just a really quick um, that I, I it's it doesn't really have any like colossal weight to anything, but I just thought it would be fun for me to read it as I typed it. We talked about this in the Discord. Um, this is during I think Hawks is still at the MLF HQ, uh, and he's talking. He's kind of thinking about all of these students and who it is that they're placed with pro hero wise. And because I still am not great with uh, some of the class 1B names, I just typed these things as quickly as I could and had to revert to using nicknames in some cases. So I played a little game with Omega uh, <laughs> in the Discord about like, okay, who does this nickname belong to? <laughs> and he was trying to figure out who it was. Uh, so that was really fun. So, And this is a cool montage in one of the chapters as well, where you can see all of these class 1A and 1B students that have been placed or have found a place rather to do their work study. So you have, I have Fat Gum and the Hard Boys, um, which is Tetsu, 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 and also uh, Kirishima. And then, of course, Amajiki is still with Fat Gum. He's lurking in the background. Ojiro and Shishida are with two other super hairy heroes. Like, I don't know who they are. And then the Saiyan guy and Sato are there as well. Kaminari, Sero, the druid lady whose name I always forget, are with Kamui Woods, Mount Lady, and Edshot, um, who also looks to be holding a copy of that MLF book. So I guess Hawks had paid him a visit at some point. Jiro and Shoji are with Gang Orca, which is freaking dope. And then there's also in a, in a, like this weird emaciated off-palette Sonic the Hedgehog in the background yeah. um, with them. And then some of Gang Orca's henchmen. There's Wash with a dude who just looks like a mop. And then Manga and Koda are with them. Momo and Lizardy are just hanging out with some Southwestern Scarecrow-looking dude. Mina and Aoyama and Hagakure who I almost missed because, you know, she's invisible and stuff, are with this night hero guy whose name eludes me. Pony and Monoma are just hanging out. Hirio, Rin, and Awase are hanging out. Vanta Black and Mushrooms are just hanging out. I don't recall there being any pro heroes with them. Then you have Bubble Boy. That was one that I had to get Omega to guess, which was fun. Knife Guy, which is another one from uh, Class 1B. And then the Spinny Dude. Uh, Power Ranger and Hononuki. Kendo, Emily, and then two females that I couldn't place, two female pro heroes. Bondo's hanging out with two other glue or possibly toothpaste themes heroes. Um, definitely tube dudes. The Colgate team. The Colgate yeah. team. Uh, <laughs> then you have the tur the lady who's, we haven't seen these guys since the pr provisional licensing exam, but tur the lady whose quirk is Turtleneck, the Earthbender guy, uh, the guy who looks like Trap Pinch, um, the Pokemon, mm -hmm. but, it, but it's also blue. And then the dude who looks like Android 17 are all hanging out. Uh, and then Cammy, the meatball guy, the dude who looks like Colossus. Uh, and Inasa are hanging out. And then you also have Mirio, who's just standing there like he's making his own Christian album cover and he's just by himself. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was pretty strange, too. And then I liked the, right at the end of Hawks explaining all this, he says it definitely won't go the way that the villains want. Um, and then I just have in my notes that the three musketeers are suiting up. And I have in brackets that it includes Bakugo putting on his berets because those little explosions, it they're berets. Yeah, they absolutely it, are. Like the. The way that it was depicted, I was I thought that for the longest time, I think that I thought that it was uh, almost like a wraparound part of his mask. But then it shows him like clipping the small ones on <laughs> like their little berets, which I thought was hilarious. You, know, you mentioned the one uh, pro hero that was holding that Meta Liberation Army book. It, it, you said that maybe Hawks gave it to him, but who knows, man? He might be part of the uh, part of the army. Oh, he could. We be. don't know. That's the, that's a crazy no. part. No way he would be reading that in like in public if he was secretly part of that front, right? No, I mean, why not? I mean, it's not like anyone really has any idea that they're a thing, right? I mean, it's we've been given no indication that anyone is aware or afraid of a meta liberation army. 
So interesting. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, that's fair. That, I mean, if Hawks is going around just giving these books out like it's nobody's business, then it's not like it's suspicious. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's fair. That was Ed Shot that yeah. had it in so his hands. So for all we know, Ed Shot is one of the members. We won't know. It doesn't sound like until this attack goes down and we see whose side or who's you know acting on which side. I, like, I'm really interested in that whole part because that's. When we first saw that random hero at the HQ, I don't remember what his name was. Like he was just slide and go. go. Yeah. What a okay. Whatever. So we found him at the HQ, and he's talking about being higher ranked than Hawks. I mean, immediately I'm like, okay, what other heroes could be there? I mean, we don't know. It remains to be seen, and we are not getting to any of those tasty morsels in episode 104. Oh, I also meant to say this too. This is episode 103 is one of the cool ones where they save the title until the very end. I love when they do that for some reason. In this one, the episode title is one thing at a time, which is basically what Deku was saying at the very yep. end. Um, now, back to 104. It's called Long Time No See Selkie. It was filler content. There's nothing about it in the manga whatsoever. Uh, we're probably going to breeze through this pretty quickly because I know I wasn't too hot about it. I get the same feeling from you. Yeah, I mean, it was okay. I just, uh, I think ultimately I'm bummed that I feel like they didn't do a much more with it and it felt pointless at the end. Like, they took oh gosh they yes. took two of my favorite characters like I really like Sue Sue's one of my favorite characters and and Ochako's up there I mean she's not a bad character by any stretch of the imagination but they kind of put them through what felt like a big MacGuffin of an episode like it just served a purpose to fuel this movie that's coming up and I didn't even know that until people in the Discord were talking about it like. I mean, well, let's just get into it and get through it. It's not horrible. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. And in fact, the second time I watched it, I found it more enjoyable than the first time. But it it felt like they could have done so much more. It just felt kind of empty. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was dis- there's discussion in the Discord about whether this one was worse than the fake uh, what was it? Bank heist like or something? Like that mystery murder kind of deal. Yeah, the and, murder you know, The funny thing about that, because I had mentioned that this was probably my least favorite filler episode and that it felt totally out of place. And Omega was like, well, what about that murder mystery episode where it turns out to be All Might, you know, from the beginning and the end? Right. I totally forgot that was filler. For some reason in my brain, I like categorize that under an OVA. I don't know why, but that that's why I didn't even think of it uh, at the time. So... Anyways, let's let's hop into 104. Uh, to sum it up really quickly, pretty much, uh, we are introduced, like we open up with Deku talking about what they're doing, and then he's like, oh, what about Sue and Ochako? Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh, it was so awkward the way that they it did was. that. It felt so forced. Like, this whole episode kind of felt forced to some extent. Uh, but we switch over to Ryukyu's agency. Uh, that's where Sue, Ochako, and Najiri are at. And I, I don't think Najiri is there for a work study. She actually works for Ryukyu, doesn't she? Uh, I think so. It's hard to tell because Amajiki was back with Fat right. Gum and, and that's who he did his with. I, so m- maybe they're on is like, I don't yeah. know. I, I th- they could very well. They're still at UA right now. So I guess they could still be doing a work study. Yeah. Well, we find out that Ochako has got a new costume um, and it looks like she just has some really big puffy wrist gear now. And we find out later that it is a grappling gun, but it seems like that's it for now. Yeah, and it's there's so much I get frustrated with in this particular episode. But when she's when Najiri is asking her why she had this made, she, she Ochako just recalls grabbing Deku when Black Whip was going out of control, and she blesses and she says that it's a secret. But later on, it's implied that she had to have told at least Sirius what like what her costume actually did, or the scene where she actually deploys it makes no freaking sense. Agreed. 
Um, um, so it's just strange. But we we get a a news break about a, a large scale wildfire in the country of Kathlin that has finally started showing signs of dying down. It was caused by some explosion at what was a, a, a trigger factory. Rumor is that the investigation of the site seemed to uncover the fact that the chemicals that were used to enhance trigger were off site before they were like they were stolen or removed before the fire was caught. So um, they there's a little bit of a discussion about what trigger even is. Apparently, Ochako doesn't know what it is. And there's this strange scene in the anime where Ochako. Well, it could only be in the anime. This is filler. Ochako appears to ask about trigger. Nigiri says that she knows all about what it is. And then also seems to ask herself or possibly no one, can I say what it is? Like it was this weird cut where she talked to herself for a second. It was so strange. Yeah, and what's even stranger to me is that they chose to use some random country like Kaflin. I mean, I don't know. It felt like they could have at least incorporated something we've seen in the anime already. Like the, there was that whole big gigantomech guy that destroyed a whole bunch of places. Like, why couldn't the facility have been wrecked by him by accident or something? I don't know. I just felt like they could have tied that back in a little bit better than just like, oh, here's a news outlet talking about this thing that happened that you've never heard anything about before. But regardless, right. we switch over to see Selkie back on his ship. Um, what is it named? Like the, the main oak or the oak ore or something like that? The Oaky Mariner, Oaky Mariner is what it's called. pretty close. I had oak in there. Uh, but he is uh, trailing down another ship that is rumored to have the cargo or the, the chemicals that have been stolen from the facility. And it's not even really rumored. Like, they're just kind of guessing. Like, it's just some random ship yes. that's in Japan's water. So he's like, hey, stop. They're just guessing. Yeah. And then at the end, when they find, they find out that they the ship does indeed have the stuff, they were like, oh, good thing that they did have it. Because <laughs> yeah. otherwise, we're just harassing people for no reason. Like, I mean, it was so strange. They didn't confirm anything before they just started assaulting this yeah, guy. Yeah, like they just start screaming at him. And then someone from that ship hops up onto the back of it injects himself with trigger and releases a smoke screen after they get out of the smoke screen there's no ship there it gets away and selkie's like oh man they got away uh so he goes okay well we need a team up because they're lost in these islands that are really complicated so we can't just observe from the ocean we need to observe from the sky someone get that dragon lady on the phone and so uh you know ryukyu gets a call and she's like hey gals we're gonna go and uh we're gonna go hang out with selkie there's acceptance, and then there's recollection of Sue's connection with Selkie. Then there's gratitude for the team up, and then Selkie says that it makes him all happy, all cute like. And Ryukyu immediately downvotes it, but Najire upvotes it at the same time. This happens a couple times throughout this episode, where you have approval and disapproval when Selkie does his little cute pose yeah. thing where his voice gets really well, high. The one funny thing about that, when I mentioned the filler episode to my wife, uh, I was like, yeah, Selkie's in it again. And she goes, oh yeah, isn't that the seal that like thinks he's cute but isn't actually cute? <laughs> yeah. So Oh, he gets told he gets told explicitly that he isn't by Ryukyu at the yes. end of this episode. And yes. It's great. It's one of the best parts of this episode is actually Ryukyu just giving it a second after he does his cute pose and just being like, you know that's not cute, right? Yeah, he's like, I know. <laughs> and him being totally aware that it isn't, too, <laughs> yeah. which is great. Uh, but after all of this takes place, where they're basically reconnecting and introducing each other, uh, Selkie gets real serious, and he's like, now, on to bigger, better matters. I need you guys to go to the beach. And then we get, like, this beach montage. Like, literally, there's probably at least seven to eight minutes of this episode that's just party montage, where at the beginning, they were partying and eating, and now they're on the beach, and then they have, like, 
the whole episode that takes place, and then they're back on the beach. Like they spend so much time on the beach when they could have been doing other things. And some of the stuff that happens on the beach, I feel like, is relatively questionable as well. Yeah, the I think the thing that you're thinking about is there's a scene where like Sirius is swimming with Sue, maybe around some sea yeah. turtles. And then the very next scene, they're having this big barbecue and Sirius is eating something that still has a turtle fin on it. And my favorite part about that scene is Sue is kind of giving her side eye as as she's proudly holding up this sea turtle steak that she's about to eat. And there's a bead of sweat going down her face, (laughs) which I interpreted not just that it was probably hot at this beach, but Sue looking at Sirius and going, uh... So she eats aquatic things? Yeah, not only that, but <laughs> because that's what she aquatic is. Aquatic things that she just swam with and was friendly with 10 minutes ago. I could have been on that skewer, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, I did, because I was curious, I did time this first stretch of beach episode-ness of this, of episode 104. It's only about a minute and a half oh, long. Wow. And the second one is probably even is shorter than that. So it feels a lot longer than it actually yeah, no, is it, in it defense. Is. This, this is basically the only defense of this episode that I'm going to give, but there it, it is. Yeah. That's, that actually shocks me. I would have guessed that there were at least six minutes of beach time, but I'm glad to hear yeah. that I'm wrong. <laughs> well, and it feels long too, because so much of it is just stills that they're kind of panning over and that's it. Like some of it is animated, but some of it is just like, here's this, like, it's almost like we're looking at Polaroids yeah. as they kind of float by, which is kind of lazy. But again, it's filler. It probably was necessary, you know, because of a deadline. Who knows? I'm not, I'm not that savvy with the industry. Right. Well, ultimately, Nigeria and Ryuku end up going up into the sky to search for the villains. And Ochako and Sue are going to go onto the uh, Oak Mariner and uh, hang out with Selkie. And ultimately, like, they end up, just leaving i say them sue and selkie go underwater so they're they're kind of attacking this from all fronts um and we we get this quick cut scene where the villain is talking about like getting the goods to the client and asking if they should call the client and they're like no they don't even name the villains in this episode they don't get a name nope so they they're just gonna and we only see one quirk yeah you're one. right there's three guys on that boat we only yeah, see you're one. absolutely right uh, well, the villains say it's time. They head out. Selkie and Sue spot the boat really quickly. Uh, it is at a point fifty-seven. They have all these different points that they're checking. So everyone heads that way. Obviously, the villain pops out, does the smoke green again, and blocks out Ryukyu from being able to see anything. However... Which is so dumb. Well, this tactic right here makes absolutely no I agree. sense. So this guy creates a smoke screen because that's his quirk. He shoots trigger, a bunch of holes erupt on him, and he goes like Majin Buu and creates all this smoke. But... It's real dumb here because of the flyers, because what they do is they say we're somewhere in this area and nowhere else. Like they can't if because if they leave the smoke screen itself, of course, they're going to be spotted by both the boat and the flyers. It made some sense, way more sense, especially earlier on in the episode where they were able to obscure their ship and Selkies because they were both inside of that mm-hmm. smoke screen. But with people on the outside, it does absolutely nothing. But Selkie and crew and co they anticipated this maneuver and they kind of were built it into their strategy. And so they used the cover to basically board that ship. But yeah, I was like, this makes absolutely zero tactical well, sense for them to deploy that smoke. And I'm going to play even more devil's advocate here. You're telling me that the giant dragon in the sky couldn't flap her wings and blow away most of that smoke. I yeah. mean, I don't know. Just my thoughts. 
but anyways, uh, Selkie is able to get up onto the ship and take this guy out very quickly using some pretty cool echolocation. I will say I appreciated this moment because the guy who is not named, we're going to call him Mr. Smoke, or at least I'm going to, he is standing there like all happy. He's you know going to be able to evade the, the good guys again. And whenever Selkie comes up, you hear this echolocation kind of like clicking and whispering happening in the background. And I just thought that was really cool. And then Selkie kicks the crap out of this guy and is like, Sue, hold on a second. I'm going to go do other stuff. And he runs up the ship and he gets into the bridge. And before the, the captain of the ship can pull his trigger, Selkie takes him out. And then he phones back home and is like, hey, we're all good here. So Sue literally didn't get a chance to do anything. She's not even in any she of this. Does, yeah, she does nothing in this episode absolutely nothing there she attempts here in a second to lash her tongue onto this plane that was apparently the thing under the tarp and it goes for like crazy long i remember in a recent episode uh, we were talking about how long it, it stretches real real far apparently um but she misses and plops into the water and then she just spends the rest of the episode trying to tell chaco to get out of yeah. the plane that's it that's all asu is she rides selkie's back and falls into the water and says you should get out of that plane that's that's all Sue does in this episode. It's so frustrating. It is frustrating. So as you have heard, there's a plane that apparently now all of a sudden has this cargo. I don't think it was under the tarp. The tarp wasn't big enough to cover a plane unless the plane has a quirk or unless the guy in the plane has a quirk that shrunk it down. I don't know. They don't yeah. explain it. He was in the cockpit that whole yeah. time. And it, there's a point where it almost seems like he's not even with Mr. Smoke. Like they're in two separate locations. I, I don't know. It's. Well, he's in the cockpit, and that's why he has to call the smoke right, guy. Right, So they he's now got all of the chemicals, and he's flying away, and Ryukyu's trying to catch up, but she's not fast enough, and so there's this moment where Selkie's like, oh, crap, they're getting away. And Sirius says, oh, you're not giving up yet, right? And we pan over to see Sirius, and Ochako's on top of this like gun thing it's it's a uh like a harpoon it's like a harpoon and uh they shoot a chaco out into the sky who then uses her own grappling hook to capture the plane and i say capture she like grapples onto it pulls herself in and then in less than five seconds destroys the guy piloting the plane using some uh machine head or gunhead martial arts which is pretty cool and then she tries to fly the plane but she can't she's never done a simulator before yeah, I have in my notes, I said she grabs control of the plane, but understandably doesn't know what she's doing because she pushes the yoke yeah. forward. And under my notes, I just said she was poor, so she didn't get to play any flight simulator where the thing that you do is pull back if you want to go yeah. up. And they keep telling her like, hey, pull back, pull back. And she says it's too late. So uh, they eventually are like, well, hey, why don't you just use your quirk? And she explains that it's way too big. There's no way that she could use her quirk on this plane. And then they ask her, like, oh, so you're just going to give up? And she's all, no, no, I'm not. And so she is attempting to use her quirk. And then there's this weird scene. I don't know what they were thinking in this scene where Ryuku, like, sends Najiri flying forward and Najiri uses her powers on the plane and it supposedly stabilizes it somehow. That's not at all how I thought her quirk worked. So I have no idea what they were trying to get at there. Yeah, it makes no sense and i watched it like two or three times trying to figure out what in the world they were trying to tell us was accomplished by that little maneuver combo yeah. move question mark it, yeah it's it was just like oh they have these powers yeah that that's that's and we're it. gonna show you though <laughs> and we're, even if that doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah it and it really does not like i at first i thought that ryukyu was trying to use her wings to propel Najire forward to do something to the plane but Najire 
takes this wind blast basically to the face, turns around, and then does her 90% spirally life-draining power thing at the plane. And then it, it washes over the plane, and then it, it fades. And that's, we're supposed to, it's like the anime is trying to tell us, oh, they did the thing. And we're like, well, what was the thing? Yeah, because then, o, then <laughs> Ochako levitates it. So I don't know what the point of them doing their powers were to begin with anyways. And, and then the moment it's levitated, the dragon comes in and just like lands it nicely. So I don't know. Yeah. That whole scene, very off-putting to me. I was just like, what are they trying to accomplish here? Uh, yeah, and then the, then we get the best part about this episode. <laughs> Your favorite part. And Adam was actually able to guess it in the Discord. I was I was seeing if anybody could guess what my uh, favorite part of this episode was, and it was that we get to see the return of the Rainbow Vomit, which I don't know why I love it as much as I do, but I do. And so Ochako's vomiting her guts up in the cockpit of this plane, and then you get Sirius saying, it looks like we were right about the illegal chemicals, and I just have in my notes, good freaking thing, <laughs> yeah. because otherwise... <laughs> You would have a big lawsuit on your hands, dude. Can you imagine if it was just like a PlayStation 5 delivery? <laughs> like That's yeah. where all your oh, PlayStation gosh. 5s are at, guys. <laughs> they go back to the beach, and there's conversations about how these guys were just smugglers, and they were trying to take it to Otheon, which is some country in Europe, and Ryu this is where Ryukyu verbally tells uh, Selkie that his little cute poses aren't cute, and he's just like, yeah, I've come to that realization recently, and... Then we get a little after credit scene um, where the villain from the movie, whose name is Flecked, Flecked Turn, um, is told that heroes had interfered with his shipment. But he just says, well, that's OK. We already have the amount that we needed for the plan anyway. Which is the villain of the villain of this movie telling us at the end of this episode, what you just watched mattered absolutely not at yeah. all <laughs> which was when he I was already like not that hot about this episode but when he was like eh, it was fine we didn't need it I was like then why are we watching well, and this better yet like <laughs> if you've not seen anything about the movie like I know that there have been things posted about it I know there's a movie coming out I've not watched any of the trailers or anything so I had no idea who this guy was I thought he was part of the Metal Liberation Army so if, if the yeah. people in the Discord hadn't been talking about it, I would not have realized that this was the villain of the next movie. Not that I care. It's just kind of one of those, like, if you don't keep up with everything going on with my hero, how would you have known that? You wouldn't. I mean, you, you just wouldn't yeah. have. And the, the, worst, the even worse part about that is, this was a cool opportunity, I think, that wasn't capitalized on well, where you could have made it such that people who watch the anime got something extra going into the movie that was meaningful. Mm -hmm. But you don't get that. You know, there's nothing that you need to know going into that third movie, really, um, from this episode. Absolutely nothing. But they tried, to, they tried to stage it as if, oh, it's a good thing you watch this before you watch the movie. But you don't have right. to. <laughs> and the villain even says that. Maybe the yeah. villain, the villain wrote this I mean, episode. That's what happened. He explicitly tells you, yeah, what you just saw doesn't really matter. It doesn't factor into anything meaningful. And I was just like, well, great. Thanks for making that explicit. Well, and what frustrates me more than anything, I think, is that they took Sue and Ochako, who are two really cool characters, and kind of gave them this like lackluster episode to be in. Like, come on. They, they could have been in some really cool shenanigans. Why this? Like, especially if it didn't mean anything. I mean, even Selkie's kind of cool. And you've got Ryukyu, who we don't really know a whole lot about. But, like, her quirk is really neat. You're, this is the best they could have come up with? Uh, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more than this, I think. 
I'll give it credit for this for Ryukyu anyway, is I never, they show her transformation in a little bit more detail in this episode. And I never noticed that, you know, those giant metal claws that she wears on her her hand. Yeah. Yeah. That when she goes to do the transformation, she puts her hand on or Mm -hmm. in them. And then maybe that's what triggers the transformation. So I don't know if they're, they look like, like basically, you know how you used to wear bugles on the end of your (laughs) fingers as a kid? It looks like that's how that thing works. So I don't know. It was kind of strange. I didn't try to think too much about it, but I, I, I did feel like, oh, I don't know that we've seen that particular wrinkle to her transformation before. And I definitely never noticed that her little bugle fingertip things were part of her costume like that. The thing that she has covering like half of well, her face. Well, is it even part of her costume or is that part of her quirk? That's that's kind of a good question, right. you know, and that this is yeah, actually a perfect segue to lead us into our ending segment, if you're ready. Yeah, so let's do it. I wanted to see with this filler episode, what kind of filler episodes would you want to see? And and this kind of goes out to anyone else that's listening. If you could design a filler episode, what would you want to see? And and the reason I say this is such a good segue is because one of mine, I think I think it would be really neat to see some of these characters and how they discovered their quirks. Like, how did Ryukyu just all of a sudden one day turn into a dragon? You know what I mean? Like that had to have been an epic quirk reveal. And I think it would be a really cool filler episode to have these kind of like mini montages almost or of, of different people explaining how they discovered their quirks. I think that would be really neat. That would be cool. You know, like we've heard about some of those instances, like Kirishima has that scar over his eye from his first quirk manifestation. And we hear some of that stuff, but we're not shown And I like it better when we're shown and we're not Mm -hmm. necessarily told everything. Like, I hated taking notes for episode 103 because it was so much telling. It was just a lot of dialogue. Uh, And it was just like, you could show some of this stuff and it would be, you know, a little bit better in my opinion. But some people think the opposite. They'd much rather have everything spelled out. Um, I'm just not that kind of person. But yeah, I like that idea for a filler I think it could be really fun. And and we've seen so many unique quirks that even I think the two of us have sat back and gone like, okay, how did that one happen? You know, Uh, how cool would it be to get a Hagakuri quirk where she goes invisible? Like we could see what she looks like before she went invisible. That'd be really neat. I mean, there's just a lot you could do with it that would have meaning. It, It could be filler. It could be things that don't exist in the manga, but build upon the universe. This episode, that's right. my biggest frustration with it. It didn't do anything to build these characters up. It felt just kind of like a normal day, you know? And and, it, and it, even then, it wasn't that important. Like, the villain's going to do what they want to do because they didn't need it to happen. So, but without further ado, what, what about you, man? Did you come up with any good ideas for a filler episode? I, as much as I liked Selkie, I loved him in the first filler episode oh, that he was too. in. I thought that that episode was yeah. great. Um, I would have really liked to, and we saw this character in one of the little montages, um, in these, in this pair of episodes, I would have, I'm so darned curious about Wash. How in the world is that guy number eight? (laughs) I want to be, I want to spend an episode understanding how it is that he's ranked as high as he is. Isn't he just the washing machine? I'm so curious. Yes. So, So like, how is he ranked number eight? What does he do? What is his thing? And he's got students with him now, so we could have piled around with him for a minute and see, like, they could have been like, oh, oh, here's why he's number eight. Like, you didn't, you just think that he's this goofy looking animated, uh, uh, washing machine, but, but you didn't think about how this might work with his quirk and all that. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. And he could have been part of my filler episode. Like, did he just wake up a washing machine one day? 
Yeah. You know? <laughs> or did he have like a body horror, like one limited time transformation? Oh, that would have been super Gosh, scary. That sounds horrible. Ugh. Uh, I would have liked to have seen, I, I I talked about this in the Discord and maybe on Twitter too, I can't remember. Um, it would have been cool to have a gang orca episode as well and possibly one where somehow him and Selkie came into conflict. Ugh. Like I would want, I want to see gang orca and, and Selkie fight because it's predator versus that prey. That is interesting, yeah. It would, it would, I don't know how you do it. Maybe you do it on like, you know, like a, I don't know. I have no ideas, but I would love to see any kind of gang orca content is bonus content like i remember most recently being frustrated because they teased his uh presence at todoroki and bakugos and all the rest of that crowds at their second chance at the provisional licensing exam and we got to see none of it i was like what give me more second idea for filler episodes that could have been some fun shenanigans like seeing them have to go to like weekend class basically and like all the stuff they got up to i'm sure there's plenty of stories there okay so you ready for what i think is my best and uh most detailed filler episode idea yes hit me and this is totally slice of life but i think you could have so much stinking fun with this idea it's class 1a in the dorms and for some reason a giant prank war breaks out amongst the students (laughs) that's awesome and so i have some ideas of some things that could get done um and these are it would be fun because it would be very lighthearted and silly but you would also get to see creative applications of quirks that weren't being uh you know, weaponized. So you could have had Sato running around antiquing people, um, either even when they're in the shower, just dumping flour on them uh, <laughs> from his baking. You could have Sue sitting like crouched really low outside of doors and just whipping her tongue really low when people try to cross from one room into the other and tripping them up. You could have Hagakure doing all sorts of stuff because she's freaking invisible. Um, I was in a class uh, in college called the Psychology of the Holocaust. Um, and one of the things that we had to do is submit an anonymous paper that we wrote during class about what would you do if you were invisible for 24 hours. And we submitted them anonymously because, of course, he wanted you to be honest. And there were a bunch of pervs in that class, class of course. But mine was just the, this long list of pranks that I could only do if people couldn't see me doing them. Um, so Hagakure could totally get away with that. You could have Sero just randomly taping people to objects like they wake up and they're taped to their bed or he catches somebody sitting on the toilet and just tapes them down, whatever the case is. You could have Shoto, who could either, without having to flush a toilet, mind you, make somebody's shower really hot or really cold, uh, which is a classic prank. You could have, uh, did you ever watch any of the Jackass shows or the Bam Margera show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so Bam used to do this thing where he would set up like an amp and an electric guitar in his parents' room and use it to wake them up. Jiro could do that super easy. Oh, yeah, yeah um, that's true. You could have Kaminari going around and just lightly charging objects so that the next person that touches them gets uh, a minor shock, you know, like a static <laughs> shock. That's kind of a mean one. Yeah, I guess he could have done that. And then you could you could have Mineta try to convince the guys, like his homies, the people that might actually go in on this. So like maybe Kaminari and Saro to do like a giant panty raid on the girls and Kaminari and Saro act like they're totally for that, but they they uh, betray Mineta and they get literally everybody else in 1A to like stage this giant like ambush on Mineta as he's trying to sneak into the girl's side of the dorm. You could have so much fun with that. Um, and that was just stuff that I wrote down like 
10 seconds before we got, uh, before we started talking on Skype. See, and Um, what would be really great is like at the end of it, they all think they've been pranking each other, but it's actually Nezu pulling off all these pranks. (laughs) Yeah. He's the, he's, he's jittering with his coffee and laughing maniacally in the background because he's set all this in motion somehow for his own entertainment. It's basically like a home alone episode, but they're trapped in the house with Nezu. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And it would be, it would just be lighthearted fun. And you would would know sitting down to it that that's all it was. There would be no forced, this is important because it ties to a movie. It'd just be like, you know what? It's not the manga. It's just silly fun. It's going to be kind of like a smash volume animated, which I would like anyway. I agree. Uh, I would like that too. That's actually a good idea. I really enjoy that one. So let's close down this episode with something that we have actually teased on and off for a couple episodes of ours, which is that um, I have come into possession through uh, Jasco Games of several copies of the yet to release My Hero Academia collectible card game promo decks. Um, the set features a Bakugo deck and a Midoriya deck. Uh, they're starter decks, so they're not quite complete, but they, you can play them as they are. Um, these are pre-production, so the art isn't final on them. Some of the text might change, but they're still cool. They come, you know, wrapped and unopened. If you're a collector, might be cool to keep them that way. If you're just wanting to learn a new system, it's called the Universes system. Uh, it's a very interesting card game with some uh, neat mechanics. Um, I held a demo for the My Hero cards using a couple of these decks at uh, a local Growler store recently. And it seemed to be really well received. So I would like to give away a a set, an unopened set of these promo decks from Jasco Games uh, to one of our listeners. So Adam and I have come up with a handful of, uh, a little bit of a contest that has some rules. There are some limitations. So let me get those out of the way first. So that, you know, if you're like, oh, that doesn't work for me, then you can stop listening. The first restriction is we have to keep this to the continental U.S., unfortunately. There may be times in the future where we can not have that particular restriction, but for this, with the shipping and the the way that we want to do this, um, continental United States are the folks that will be available to win. And this contest is going to run from the time that this episode goes live, so July 26th, through August 9th, which is the next time an AMP episode would go live. So you have between the airing of episode 83 in the airing of episode 84 to enter the contest itself. So here are the rules. Uh, To win a complete set, the Bakugo and Midoriya decks, uh, there's a way for you to uh, increase your entries, and then we're going to do a random drawing and make that announcement in a future episode. So here are the ways that you can claim some entries for yourself. You can visit the back patio on Facebook, and if you give us a like, then you get an entry into the contest. If you follow us on Twitter, you get three entries into this contest. If you leave us an iTunes podcast review and email us a screenshot verifying that you were the person that submitted it, even if it is submitted before this contest goes live, so like Ness could go in and say, see, I did it, even though he's done it weeks ago, um, that gets you five entries into the contest. If you find the rules tweet, which we're going to pin on our Twitter, and you comment on it with your favorite character in My Hero, that's simple and easy to do, uh, then that will get you three, or two entries, rather, into the contest. In addition to that, just a small teaser for something else we're going to be announcing in the not-too-distant future, hopefully. If you are a patron, not only will you get extra entries into this contest, but you will have access to something else coming down the line from Adam and I. 
uh, in the next month or two, we'll be able to divulge a little bit more about what that is. We're keeping it under our hats, but I'm continuing to tease it at every opportunity because I'm excited about this thing and can't wait to talk about it. But getting back to the My Hero CCG, those are the ways that you can uh, amass entries for yourself over the course of the two weeks that this contest is going to run. We will announce the winner. Um, We will contact that person, get their shipping address, and I will mail those to you, um, those CCG decks. And then you can look for when the game actually goes live later in the fall for booster packs and what they call deck loadable content, which are these little boxes that you can buy that will have new hero characters. Uh, So the main characters for your decks and character specific cards for them, Uh, booster decks or booster packets rather um, for extra cards. And it's a deck builder. So you can customize a deck, take it to your friends with Bakugo, uh, Aizawa, All Might, all these guys and gals are going to be making appearances in this. Um, the Universal System has got a pretty long life. It's been around for a long time under a couple of different names. So if you're interested in that, now you know how to enter. We're looking forward uh, to giving those away. I'm excited to be able to not only have been given those, um, but to give them away. That's going to make me extremely happy to uh, give one of you guys, uh, a, a listener, something very cool MHA related for free that's collectible and and fun and put that in your hands. Did you say deck loadable content? Yep, that's what they call it. It's literally DLC. Someone yep. is a marketing genius. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that's awesome. Great. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm stoked. I can't believe that we were able to get in on this. I mean, it was just kind of by chance that you won this anyways. And the fact that they were willing to give us a few extra sets to give away, that's just awesome. So a huge shout out to, was it Jasco Games? Jasco Games and the Universe's system is pretty neat. I think I've talked about this before, and I know we're going a little long, but the uh, the system is such that you can take the IPs and compete between them. So, for instance, the system has Mortal Kombat, and it has Mega Man, and it has all these other IPs, um, Street Fighter. So you could make Bakugo fight Mega Man, and you could make Scorpion fight Midoriya. Like, they all, they're cross-compatible. Uh, So it's really, really neat. If you like the system, there are other IPs out there. I'm sure that there are still more yet to come. Very interesting. I enjoyed playing it. I'm keeping a pair of those decks for myself, of course, because I think that it's cool. And I'm looking forward to buying boosters and some of that deck loadable content and getting a little deeper into the (laughs) hobby as well. Well, I think that'll wrap us up for Almighty Pod this week. But thanks, everyone, for hanging out, listening, having a good time, joining us in the Discord. We love all of you. We really appreciate it. All right, guys. We'll see you. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at Almighty Pod or follow at Back Patio Net for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O.